some, uh, you know, it may even invoke in your mind this idea of, oh, I need to invite this person to come to my church because that, you know, come and see what this is all about. Well, now the invitation to come and see is come and read the Bible for yourself and see who God is. So there's still an invitation to come and see, but instead of they're going to come and see in church, they're going to be able to come and see by reading the Bible for themselves. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple makers. Hi, I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks, or just click on the link in the description below. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you so much. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women just like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own backyard. So today, Rebecca and I want to talk about uh, conversations. You know, conversations are a part of everyday interaction, but there's something unique about how we handle relationships and conversations that allows movement to happen. And so today we want to dive into some of those things and what makes them unique and unpack them and provide you with some tools to help you have conversations that result in movement. And, and specifically, how do these disciple-making conversations differ than a lot of the conversations that we typically envision in having with unbelievers or with you know and things like that so whether it's confrontational evangelism or whatnot so we're going to be talking about these key conversation instinct shifts so first off let's talk about what we have been doing so typically when we think about having conversations for other believers, we think really one or three goals that we have. One is to kind of argue or preach them out of their closely held beliefs. So Mm -hmm. in other words, that I'm trying to convince them here on the spot that Mormonism is wrong, that atheism is wrong, that, um, that they can't do good works in order to bring themselves to heaven. Like they're, These are, this is something you had held as a belief and I'm trying to argue you out of it uh, so that you can now receive Christ, which kind of leads to the other two, which the other approaches uh, that we've been doing is uh, we we have conversations with people that that are first just relational and then we start talking about God. If they aren't all open, then we can say, hey, you should come to my church uh, for our Sunday service or the third kind, which is, we're trying to get them to pray to receive Christ at that spot, which is kind of related to the first one, but then maybe we're just doing more presentational, like this is what, this is who God is, you know, God is a great God, you are a sinner, you know, he died for you, pray, and then you can be able to go to heaven too. Yeah, so a lot of times the, the conversation will begin with a prayer and a try to convincing them to follow Christ. And if they raise any objections to that, then often it'll be followed up with some kind of arguing or preaching or things like that. That, that can also happen too. 
Yeah, so that this is what we are kind of used to in there uh, in the different methods we have. But in disciple-making movement, our goals are different. Our, our goals is to get them to, to read, obey, and share the Bible for themselves and a discovery Bible study or discovery group. That's our 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 goal, which is you know different than a lot of these other ones, which essentially the end is praying a prayer or going to church as the end goal of the conversation. Yeah, so you'd say that out of the list of goals and things we're going to be talking about today, this is kind of that first one. That, right, that that's it's the, to, the first shift. The first shift that we're discussing is leading them to read, obey, and share the Bible for themselves in a discovery Bible study or discovery group format. And so that involves several different things, right? Right. Well, I mean, now we're not just trying to necessarily change the entirety of their mind because we understand the Bible is going to do that Mm -hmm. and God's spirit is going to do that for us as they read through. So really we're trying to attract them to want to read the scriptures and we by and large do that through telling stories from the Bible because that's what them reading the Bible through discovery are going to be doing. They're going to be reading stories. And so we tell them stories from the Bible as and let them experience some of those things and, and through that attract them into wanting to read that for themselves. So again, we want to attract them to the Bible and not to making a certain decision about God or to go to a church in that. So in order to do that, in order to be able to just you know, connect people to the Bible, we are seeking connection with them and with the Bible rather than confrontation necessarily. I'm not saying we never say anything, you know, <laughs> pointed or to the point, but the, the point is, is that we're, we're look, listening to see where the unbeliever is, where their heart's needs are, and addressing what stories that, and showing stories that show that God and the Bible can meet that need. Right. So we're wanting them to see that God and the Word has the answers for most of their heart-filled needs and questions, and we're relying upon the power of God's voice through those stories in the Bible to draw them to want more stories that they're like, oh, I've never heard this before, and and I want to know more, which is actually something we hear on a regular basis from people who are engaged in a Discovery Bible Study or Discovery Bible Study group process. And, and this is actually really helpful because, again, we instead of trying to hit that stronghold face on in our initial conversations with them, you know, against them being Muslim, against them being, you know, a certain religion, against their beliefs in this, against, you know, that, that we are actually trying to just connect what they're looking for with the Bible, because that's where we know that those things are going to be, you know, uh, confronted. And then it won't be about us, about be, it'll be about them reading it and dealing with it directly with God. And we've seen a lot, uh, well, I mean, obviously movements have been started with this kind of thing, but we definitely have seen so much improvement as people shift from trying to do more confrontational with, you know, people of other religions than when it comes to just trying to get them to read the Word. So we were just having a coaching call with uh, one of the members of our coach community who works in a Muslim background country. 
and he was talking about some of his team members who are Muslim background believers and uh, was talking about how before it took a lot of like guts and it was really scary to go out and to open the Bible and just jump into a story about Jesus. And there were a lot of arguments as to whether Jesus was really God or not, or whether the Bible was real or not. And they used to get into all of these kind of arguments with people and try to overcome their, the, the Muslim objections to uh, Christianity in order to convince them to follow Jesus. And they hadn't had any fruit of that. But now since they've changed to using a discovery approach, they're actually saying that people are interested all of the time in reading the Bible and actually learning more about creation to the point that they're seeking out members of this of our of our friends team in order to ask them their questions and actually ask them for Bibles. Why? Because it's not about an argument, it's about relationship and invitation to read it for themselves and to make up their mind and a trust that God is going to work through that to help them fall in love with him. So what's interesting is that if this is our goal, to invite people in to be able to read the Bible for themselves, it requires a shift in how we do our conversations in right. the first place. Right, and so here's some very down-to-earth practical things that will help us shift in some of our conversations. In other words, this has been some of the things that we've been really like, you know, this is this is our instincts from before and shifting with. So the invitation to come and see. So, in fact, some, uh, some uh, you know, it may even invoke in your mind this idea of, oh, I need to invite this person to come to my church because that, you know, come and see what this is all about. Well, now the invitation to come and see is come and read the Bible for yourself. Mm. And see who God is. So there's still an invitation to come and see, but instead of they're going to come and see in church, they're going to be able to come and see by reading the Bible for themselves. Yeah, one of the shifts in conversation is instead of focusing on a gospel presentation, just Jesus and who he is, now we're seeing that the gospel is actually the whole story of the Bible, not just what's contained in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John. Particularly the gospel of the kingdom. Right. And, and so we're going to be talking about the gospel of the kingdom and what that means, and that we realize that if we're sharing any piece of that in a discovery-type conversation designed to help them come and read more about the more of the Bible, that we're actually are sharing a piece of good news. Because what is the good news? The good news is God wants to have a relationship with us, and that's found in every single page of the Bible. Well, also we know that the good news as it's defined by Jesus inside the Gospels <laughs> is that it's the gospel of the kingdom, that you are invited into this kingdom in which he is Lord and everybody is, is uh, you know, the subjects there. And so, uh, you know, forgiveness is the entry point into the kingdom, but it's certainly not the entire story. And people don't need, they need to hear that entire story. So that leads us to the next one, which is, when we get the feeling within us that God is prompting us to go talk to somebody, or if we see that a person is open to talking about spiritual things, again, our gut reaction is tell them a, tell them a traditional gospel presentation of you're a sinner, Jesus is Savior, accept him now. Mm. Like that's that we assume that, oh, God wanted me. He prompted me. He wanted me to share the gospel. 
Is that it? Or, you know, could it also mean that God is prompting you to simply talk to that person and see where they're and listen and see where their next step in coming to know him is, Mm -hmm. you know, to go and investigate and to see where they are to be able to help them in that next step. And, and maybe if they're open, maybe they're open to hearing a story about the Bible and out, and that will lead them to maybe even you in that conversation or a, a conversation soon after to inviting them to read the Bible. Right. So if our first instinct shift was to lead them to read, obey, and share the Bible for themselves in a discovery Bible study and a discovery group, what you just said kind of leads us to our next instinct shift of that we're looking at individualizing our approach and our conversations rather than cookie cutter. You see, a presentation is really like a one-size-fits-all hat you get, and you end up like trying to get everybody to wear the same hat, and it just really doesn't quite work. They never fit just right. Whereas what we're talking about is a tailored approach, that we're going to be able to hear where they're at and make sure that the gospel, we're connecting where they are with the story in the Bible that will lead them to read it more. So this requires a ton of listening to them. Yeah, yeah, it does require a, a, a lot of listening, listening to the why. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But basically, what we do is we're looking to contribute a story or something from the Bible in the place where God is already working in there, not where we, all, we want them to be mm-hmm. quite yet but where they genuine, genuinely are. So if, if we haven't, if God hasn't been working them up to the point of salvation at that moment, an invitation to accept at that particular time is not only not helpful, not only will they not receive it at that time, but also it befriends the fact that you could have given them an invitation to something they were ready for, which was to read the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, along with you. So again, we're trying to, uh, you know, we're, so we're seeking for that connection and we're asking, so where are they? You know, what are the deep struggles that they're going through? What are the heartfelt needs that they're going through? And think through what stories in the Bible connect that with uh, them and let them experience it and be drawn by it to the Bible. And that's yes. what we're seeking to do. You were wanting their conversations to be inwardly motivated by kind of where they are and what they need and what we're already talking about as part of natural conversation instead of externally motivated where we're trying to find an open opening or hijack a conversation and twist it to go through scripted lines. So that's that's why we're really careful in disciple-making movements to not assign hook questions or conversation starters because often they have they have a very religious tone and jargon right and so yes this is why we don't because again if if you could think about it typical ways in which we're told to to engage unbelievers is find a place somewhere where you can interject this in and it's the same thing everywhere And, and a lot of times it just doesn't fit in fact a lot of times it's like most of the time it doesn't fit because again you're bringing in completely outside motivated and scripted things instead of letting it be something natural from the conversation and so these hook questions and conversation starters will not be natural 
-hmm. It will not be inborn for what they were trying to do. And so the goal is to help people that we are trying to help, you know, mobilize to do conversations is develop a skill of how to get to know people, to listen and ask questions of why they, they believe things or why certain things are important to them, and then connect what God has shown them to what they are dealing with and, and, and speak directly into that with stories and things like that. That's, that's a skill that we're trying to get them to develop and not just to give them the quick and easy Here's some questions you can ask your neighbor or your coworkers to get them talking about God. Yeah, let me tell you guys, just it the the typical religious tones and jargons when we try to write a scripted conversation, they mm-hmm. come across as bad pickup lines that a single desperate single man <laughs> might use to pick up a girl in a bar. Oh, I'm just going to yeah. be very <laughs> obvious about that cuz we're trying to think of the perfect conversation as opposed to a conversation how it might really flow based upon the need of the person we're talking to and so if we listen to them if we're hearing what's going hearing not just listening but hearing what's going on in their life and we're Mm -hmm. talking to god at the same time say god how do i connect them with a story from your word and then he gives that story because he will he's done it many many times and then um and then we're able to share it and have even more conversations around that that can be right right very cool so you know we just need to be plain in how we listen plain in how we talk and not try to have scripted things yeah it's always good for us you know we talk about it all the time to be conspicuously spiritual without being obnoxiously religious and that a big thing comes in when it comes to using religious tone and jargon you know uh things that where it would seem really foreign and odd for a person to be talking that way or phrasing things in a certain amount of way. And so how can we just be plain in how we talk that doesn't really, isn't off-putting to the people that we, and what really helps in that is actually have conversations that are inborn, that are coming from what you're talking about and not just trying to jam something in, which brings us to our third one, uh, key shifting point, which is we want to build relationships and keep the eye on the long-term goal rather than just having thinking that we're going to have a, bu- a bunch of brief momentary interactions. So if, we're, if we believe that people are discipled into a relationship with Jesus, into saying yes to him, then we're actually seeking to establish a relationship personally with them ourselves so that we can disciple them into that as the relationship goes, as God creates opportunities for us to share um, stories from the Bible as a natural part of our interactions. And then, of course, that leads into the the even more official relationship of mm-hmm. discipling through Discovery right. Bible Study or, or group. So conversations then should lead, <clears throat> not just have all the hopes and dreams of where we need to go in one conversation. So that it's got that these conversations are going to lead from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, that they will come more and more interested in God and the Bible and therefore saying yes to that invitation instead of saying, Hey, I need to get them to the foot of the cross and saved by this what this one or two conversations that I might have with them. And, and understand, guys, there are there are exceptions to this. Of okay, yeah. we understand we're, we're we're giving you the concept of what leads to movement, of what leads 
to discipling people in a way that where it makes disciples to make disciples. But we understand that there are some exceptions. Yeah, and some obviously. of those exceptions are like, you know, a big, big public miracle. I mean, then is the opportunity they're going to go, what just happened? And you say, and this happened. But even yeah. then, you can often story your way from creation to Christ and be able to sit there and say, this is what happened. You put it in the context of the whole gospel of the kingdom. But yeah, you're, you're fitting more into that moment, moment. because there right. is that the stage is so set for that big moment. And these are um, happening less and less and less, but sometimes yeah. you get into a wow. place where you're not going to be able to ever see that person again. And like yeah, I say that it's happening, you. that it's happening less because with social media, with cell phones, with those kind of things, you, you can often, you know, make a connection and through Zoom start a yeah. discovery Bible study. So I don't which think that these... Which is a positive these, thing, guys. It's a Right, which is thing. an awesome thing. And so <laughs> it's because why? Because it's going to be stronger to disciple them into a relationship with God than to give a one-shot uh, gospel presentation where they may say yes to Jesus, but then don't know what they did. And in this day and age, often they will go online and find resources. And if they don't know the difference between your church and a Mormon church, they might think that all churches are the same and go and connect with Mormons and now be discipled into Mormonism rather than be discipled into Christ. Right, right. So, you know, it, it, this allows us to be able to, to have much greater fruit and technology allows us to do this. So guys, you know, how can we connect then meaningful conversations with spiritual discovery conversations? So it's helpful for both for us and then also for people that we might be trying to teach or lead in disciple-making principles. And now we're not trying to give you, once again, these are not hook questions or examples that we're going to be giving or scripted right. things or anything like that. We're we're trying to just give you some examples of, of how to, to be in conversation, things you might ask to help the conversations go deeper. But please don't see these as scripted questions you've got to work in or anything like that, because we're, we're not talking about that at all. But we do need to give you some examples. Yeah, really what it is is that these questions we're going to say are actually what you're mentally doing mm -hmm. while you're, you're talking. So in other words, they're to guide you through what you, you know, to get to the place you want to. So Let's just go ahead and say, yeah, we'll dive well, right in. Let's dive right in. So, you know, first off, you how to have a deeper, meaningful conversation. So that a good, meaningful conversation will birth the opportunities for spirit, good spiritual and discovery conversations. That's right. And the main thing is for you to really get at the heart of whatever subject or uh, that you're talking about and to the person themselves. So you ask a lot of why questions, you know, so because you're thinking, why is this important, these things important to them? Are they searching for security? Are they searching for meaning? Are they searching for guidance? Are they searching for love? Are, are, are they hurting in this particular area? Have they lost someone? So there are, you, you, you dig deeper by just keep on asking, like if they bring up subjects regarding psychology. Well, wow, you like psychology. Why do you like psychology? Or, or yeah. even like my, my, my good friend of mine, he loves cars. And, and he loves driving and is very precise in that. And one day we were talking about it and everything. And he says, you know, my dad, who had been martyred on the field, um, when, we were, when I was learning how to drive, complimented me on my driving skills. 
And that's why I've always really enjoyed driving. And he and I used to talk about cars all the time. Oh, that was in that moment, he was giving me a why behind why he was so interested in cars that led to some incredible, like meaningful conversations about his dad and favorite moments and stuff like that. So when you ask them for something like we were saying earlier, you know, why would, so why do you like psychology? Well, you know, because, you know, we've had, I've had a lot of struggles in my life with, with family, you know, with dealing with suicidal, you know, uh, tendencies and, and issues. And so that's really important to me. Oh yeah, I can see. So now you're also getting a backstory mm-hmm. and you could connect the idea, it ta- ask the, and talk about the idea of hopelessness and where do we find hope and things like that and be able to connect it. So we, we ask a lot of why questions, you know, what attracts them about making more money and getting married and becoming a, a Starbucks, you know, like these are typical things that people like to do, but why is it so important to them? And we can get to that now. Then once you have some whys, then we can be able to start connecting what you and where you and God have on this subject when it comes to, you know, spiritual discovery. So the next thing you can ask yourself in your mind is, okay, so how has God worked with me regarding this issue? You know, my experience and what he's done in my life when it comes to that. So it allows you to be able to connect you know what? I really like psychology too because I've had to struggle with a lot of different things in my life and I've had to seek answers through trying to understand, uh, you know, how the mind works. But you know, and then you can start talking about how that plays in with God and how he brought, you know, certain things to mind and healing through that process. So you can start connecting it with your experience in there. And then the next thing of what you can do is you can say, you know, what does, what's, what does God say about this? You know, what do, what stories of the Bible are there that connect with what, what I'm even saying about my experience? In fact, it reminds me of story in the Bible where dot, 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 and it, and it talks about hopelessness. It talks that like, for instance, in this instance of psychology or something, talking about hopelessness, talking about God you know, guiding people through life, coming in when they needed help or something like that, and being able to illustrate kind of closely to what they're talking about. And what you'll undoubtedly see is people, if they're open again, <laughs> they're good, you're going to see their, their face just kind of light up and, so, and have that yearning because God is reaching out through the story to them and saying, yes, that heartfelt need, that is... You know, it's really shown and tended to in the story. Right. So one of the things people ask, you know, how do you prepare for this? You can't know every story in the Bible. Well, you know, uh, I one of the things I would suggest is that you have a Bible plan that does take you through reading the Bible every year. Um, Rebecca and I both have a plan that does that because it's important for us to know the stories of the Bible. And it's amazing how often God will use those stories as we're in conversations with people to help them take that conversation for being spiritual discovery. But then another another one is think back in your own life of significant events that you've been through and what passages helped you through those events. What ones were encouraging to you? What ones spoke to you in those situations? And just make a mental list of those and, and, and have those ready because God's going to connect their experience 
with your experience and then you can connect your experience to the scripture that helps you through. Yeah, and and, and don't and, and you know the Old Testament is a wealth of stories. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we are really le- leaving a lot of stories off the table by not being as should I say proficient. adept, proficient, proficient, yeah, proficient, yeah. adept, you know, a proficient with the stories in the Old Testament. So many good things in there and which we can be able to connect with what they're dealing with at that time. So this is the process that you can now guide a conversation from a meaningful to a, a, a discovery one by connecting where they are with where where what the Bible says in the story specifically in it that connect with that. Yeah, and don't shy away that let's say you had a meaningful conversation with someone and and you walk away and you're like, you're thinking about that like I do, or you're praying about it like Rebecca and I do. And then all of a sudden God brings a story to mind, or you were talking with a friend of yours and you said, hey, what story would you have shared in that? And then they share a story and you think, oh man, I wish I had had that story. It would have worked so well. There's nothing wrong with going back to that person because remember, it's about relationship and paying them the greatest compliment that you can pay somebody. And that is, hey, I was thinking about what you said the other day. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a thing where I was talking with a friend about what you said the other day. And they reminded me of a story that they knew that spoke to them in that kind of situation. And then you can share that kind of story. So don't be afraid if you're like me, And a lot of times you think of the good things to say far after the conversations happen late at night, then uh, you can always go back. In fact, sometimes it's a greater compliment to go back than it would be to have the answer right in the moment. But now that leads to kind of another thing where where we're looking at, if we're looking at long-term relationship and how that works, then we're going to need to kind of keep track of things, both to pray through things and to create new opportunities for uh, what's going on. Well, also, and again, this is something you, you, you want to help other people to, too, hopefully. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we understand that movement is that we personally apply and multiply things out to other people. And so, uh, you know, we, we, this is obviously the tool, the conversation quadrants is what we have. Now, this, this podcast is not all in depth about the conversation quadrant. Mm-hmm. We do have a podcast about that. It's called Conversation Quadrants. I suggest, yeah, surprise. I suggest you go look it up and take a listen to that. Or we have also a five-minute video that kind of sums a lot of it up on our YouTube.com slash Everyday Disciples site. That's YouTube.com slash Everyday Disciples that really visually walks you through and and things like that. But essentially, uh, this, this quadrant has four categories, casual, meaningful, spiritual discovery, and you write down the names of people within the cat in those little quadrants that according to the conversations you're currently having with them. So if you're having a meaningful conversation with John, you put John inside the meaningful category and you pray for him to have for you to next either have a deeper meaningful conversation or that you'll have a spiritual or discovery conversation next. So it helps you do that. So the first thing it does is it helps us keep track of and, and praying for our conversations with unbelievers. So again, if we're having you know a lot of conversations with unbelievers, we want to keep it all track in our head to make sure nobody's falling in the cracks, to make sure we know where we're headed, and also helps us in how we pray. So again, if I had a conversation, meaningful conversation with John, 
I'm praying, God, please give me another uh, opportunity uh, to now have a spiritual art or discovery one, one that's even deeper. So it helps us be able to pray, helps us be able to communicate to others how to pray for the people that we're working with. Yeah, it helps us to be intentional about building those relationships as well, yeah. right? Because right. Uh, you might be in a, uh, a place and have a conversation or a connection with someone that you think is, is good. You put them on your conversation quadrant. And as you're praying through it, maybe later in the week, you go, you know, I should go back and, and talk to that person again or create an opportunity for additional conversations. And so rather than it being a one time and then in our busy lives, forgetting it for months and months and months and months and months and then having to go back and have a first conversation again, you can actually sit there and look at your prayer, uh, your conversation quadrants as you're praying through it and go, you know, I had a great conversation with Joe at the coffee shop last week at 10 a.m. where he's and he says he's there every time I've seen him multiple times. Maybe I should go back to the coffee shop on the same day at the same day at the week and at about the same time and see if I can connect with him again. And sure enough, he probably will be because a lot of people have those rhythms in their life and you can be very intentional about connecting with people over time and remembering their name. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'll forget people's names. And so by going out and writing them down in a conversation quadrant, then I can pray for them and things like that. You know, it was really funny. I was watching a movie about Mr. Rogers. And, you know, Mr. Rogers was, was legendary at remembering names. But there are two things that he did that helped him remember names. Number one, he listened. Two, he wrote them down. And three, he prayed for them. Mm -hmm. And that's what helped him remember names and be able to treat people, well, like people that God created and cared for. Yeah, so, you know, and and how this helps us with other people that we're trying to train in disciple-making, of course, this is a key tool in our disciple-making community, is that it helps us be able to, to... kind of get a good picture of how people are engaging. So if there's only one name on the board, then, hey, maybe they need to be engaging more people. If it's, it seems like a name is kind of stuck in one quadrant for a while, maybe they're either not seeing that person often or they're, they're not really knowing how to bridge it to the next place or to the next level of the conversation and they need some help or they we need to really dig in with prayer and pray past this this barrier so the last part is it it helps us to multiply having conversations even further so additional way that it helps us in being able to help others learn how to have conversations is that it gives us kind of a platform to be able to workshop people through their different conversations and help them be able to through doing as they go through each week doing realize oh okay I need to shift here I need to try this next and we kind of use it as a almost a workshop to do it so for instance you know it helps with people who are either too passive or too aggressive at conversations Mm -hmm. so usually people according to their personality and or training fall on one side or the other they have a tendency to either rush in too fast, or they have a tendency to be, whoa, take that step, person. That was an open door, you know. (laughs) And you missed it. And you missed it. And so uh, the first two quadrants, the casual and meaningful, remind people that like to go in there hard and fast to slow down and listen and get to know the person and where they are. Whereas in the last two, the spiritual and discovery conversations are good to re- uh, reminders for people who are too passive 
to say, hey, you've been playing around in the casual meaningful pool for a long time with these people. We need to actually make progress into mm. spiritual and discovery conversations. And so it helps reveal those kind of tendencies and help to adjust them. That's right. That's right. So, uh, and then it helped us to give space to like, as you were saying, to kind of workshop those ideas for conversations too, because perhaps your person may be stuck in meaningful conversations and they don't know how to go spiritual, or maybe they've been circling spiritual, but maybe they don't have a broad understanding of stories from the Bible to be able to share, to match the experiences of the person they're engaging. And you can, as a group can come alongside and say, oh, you know, they went through that hard time. Uh, you know, Sue has a story from the Bible that would connect to that because she went through a similar time. And, and maybe there's three other stories from the Bible that could be done, told in that. And uh, it creates that opportunity, like we said before, for you to go back to the, the person, to go back to the person and be able to say, oh, you know, I was talking with some friends about what you said and your situation, if it's appropriate. If it's and, appropriate. Uh, <laughs> if it's appropriate. If not, you just say, hey, you know, I, I was, was thinking, thinking about what you said the other day. I was thinking about what you said the other day. But if it's appropriate, it was like, you know, I was talking with my brother about your situation or sister or whatever, and they reminded me of this story. And then you can share it there, once again, if it's appropriate. If not, just keep it to yourself and, uh, and share it from your own perspective. Right. But, you know, so it, through each individual situation, you're able to, first off, you can, somebody tells their personal story, you can turn to everyone and say, here's a concept about conversations, you know, and, so, and remind everybody that overall concept and turning back to their specific situation and say, what do we think? How can we help this person bridge the gap? And like, if they, if you were in their conversation, what could we do? to bridge the gap between meaningful and spiritual discovery. And then you get to, to get those creative juices flowing with everybody, to think of stories, to think of different things, and then everyone starts learning together. So just to recap real quick as we go along, we've talked about three of the significant shifts so far. One, we're leading people to read, obey, and share the Bible for themselves in the Discovery Bible Study and Group. We are um, trying to have an individual approach to discipling as opposed to a cookie cutter approach that matches everyone. And then we're trying to build relationships and have an eye on the long-term goal rather than a just a brief momentary interaction. And so that kind of leads us to the last one of what we're discussing and um and that is that we want to work with groups and not just individuals. Now, this is, this is mind-blowing to Americans because we're focused on individuals all the time. But, but, but hang in there. We want to engage groups. And, and it doesn't mean that we don't ever share things with individuals. Oh, we're going to have tons of stories with individuals and, and have tons of conversations with there. But we want to be able to bridge the gap into having this to be engaging within groups so that we can start discovery Bible groups. But a lot of times we don't bridge that gap because we get locked into the American stronghold of religion is a private thing. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to be talking about a serious spiritual topic with somebody, I'm going to have to pull them away from the rest of the party and right. talk with them personally. I'm going to have to get them by their themselves in order to talk the, to them about this stuff. 
When really, if we engage people as a group and create a comfortable, safe space to talk about deeper things and about you know spiritual things with, with everyone together, then it's going to be so much easier to start a discovery group as opposed to just a single one-on-one study. And you can still you know, work through one person to kind of do this too. So you can direct them who, that you are, per, that are perhaps either a person of peace or spiritually interested in some way to share with you what you're talking about with others if you're having that moment. So if you're, you're talking with them, you had a great conversation, discovery conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know what? You should share with your wife what, what the, the story that we talked about and see what, get her opinion on it. Yeah, and see yeah, that all, should, you know. Yeah, that normalizes. Let me just tell you guys, a lot of times we are hesitant in asking people to talk about stories from the Bible as part of their everyday conversation. And our hesitancy actually makes people hesitant as well. And yeah. so if we sit there and we sit there sorry, if we sit there and encourage them to share and talk about the stories with their friends as if it was the most natural thing in the world to do, then they often are going to do that as well. And, and that gives the, they create the opportunity to bring more people into um, reading the, the Bible together, into yeah. the conversation. And it's okay. And in some cultures, it's very important that they bring in other people into the conversation and, and, and explore, explore faith together. So these are all just all practical ways and specific ways that we shift from one kind of, of having conversations to the other and, you know, and how we can start helping other people do that too. And when we do, we're going to see the power of helping people understand why that they should be seeking God in the first place, because mm-hmm. it's connecting them with where God is working with them in that point. And we see this over and over again. Jesus did this in the scriptures. There's so much power to it. And if we can just connect them with the Bible, a lot of these, God's going to be able to speak to all of these closely held beliefs that they have and start changing and transforming their not only their beliefs, their actions, and the people around them. I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing, and you've been listening to the CDM podcast. A like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. Guys, that is so important and a really easy way that you can help us out is by leaving a, a rating, by reviewing the podcast, telling them what you think, and that actually helps people understand that this is a podcast that's going to help them make disciples. Now, we've just finished part one. There's part two full of goodness coming up for our premium content subscribers, where we're going to be discussing uh, having disciple-making conversations within the culture, so cultural applications and and things like that. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. As we've said before, that's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks or just click on the link in the description. Do it. We want to see you in part two. Don't wait. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com.